listening to Out, About, and Abroad, a travel and outdoor podcast. Join us for stories about travel and destinations, information to help you plan a trip, and inspiration to add places to your list. From short trips around our home state to vacations across the country or travels to the other side of the world, we'll share all about our journeys. I'm Andy, and you'll be hearing from me and my friends and people I meet along the way. I hope you'll join us. Hey everyone, it's just me today and I want to share about a past trip I took to Belize and about my first time leaving the country on my own and joining a group trip. If you haven't traveled this way before, I highly recommend it. Um, This was not a recent trip, but geographically it fits with the other places I've covered so far, so I thought it was a good time to talk about it. Okay, before we discuss Belize, I just have a quick tip for you guys if you are in the market for a new travel credit card the chase sapphire preferred card which is probably the number one rated travel card currently has a bonus added to its regular welcome offer so the normal welcome offer is sixty thousand bonus points when you spend four thousand dollars in the first three months and they have bumped that up to 80 and i have a referral link in the show notes if you are in the market for a new travel credit card um that would be a really good time to sign up i'm actually pretty upset that i just signed up for this one a month ago so that's a bummer but i believe you get even more bonus points if you follow a referral link and then i get some bonus points if you follow the referral link so if you're in the market for doing that please use my link in the show notes and that'd be really cool okay now let's talk about belize So here's an overview of my trip and then some background on Belize before we land on day one of this vacation. So for our who, what, where, when, why, who went on this trip, just me, until I met up with my group tour. What did this trip involve? Culture, caves, and keys. Mayan ruins and the Mesoamerican barrier reef. Where did I go? To Belize City, San Ignacio, and Key Cocker all in the country of Belize. When? July of 2021. And why did I choose Belize? Um, Partly because it was an English-speaking country, partly because the trip involved both exploring ruins and relaxing on beaches, and I really wanted to do a little bit of both. And at the time, it was summer 2021, due to the pandemic, it was one of the safest countries to visit at the time. So that was a really big part of my decision um remember how like turbulent and unpredictable everything was and Belize had like a level one rating for for safety well a level one travel warning so level one being the safest and level four was like do not travel during those times so a little bit of background Belize is located south of Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula and it also borders Guatemala to the west and the south Belize is a small country about the size of Massachusetts with its entire eastern border making up 174 miles of coastline on the Caribbean Sea. Belize was a British colony until 1981, so it's only been an independent country for about 40 years. Off the coast of Belize are about 450 islands and the Belize Barrier Reef, which is part of the Mesoamerican Barrier Reef, which is actually the second largest barrier reef in the world, obviously following the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. People in Belize speak English, Spanish, Creole, and some speak Mayan, as well as other languages sprinkled throughout. 
Um, Belize is inhabited by many ethnic groups. About 50% are mestizos, who are of mixed Spanish and Mayan descent, followed by a quarter Creole, whom are mixed African and British descent. And the remaining groups are the Garifana, who are mixed African and Caribbean descent, the Mayans, and also some immigrants from other countries. So English is the official language because it had been a British colony for so long. Um, and that makes it a really good destination for English speakers, but also because tourism makes up a really large portion of their economy. So they're very welcoming to tourists. The currency is the Belize dollar, and one U.S. dollar is equal to two Belize dollars. Winter to spring are the dry season, averaging about 74 degrees Fahrenheit, and summer through fall are the wet season, averaging about 84 degrees Fahrenheit. Hurricanes are possible from July to November, so plan around that or just be prepared for changes to itineraries due to hurricanes. Um, due to hurricane damage, the capital Belize was moved from Belize City to Belmopan. So the airport is in Belize City. Belize City is the big city there, but not officially the capital. Okay, we're going back in time a little bit here. It's the summer of 2021. So this was my third summer as a teacher. Yes, that's correct. Doesn't sound right. It's correct. Having the summers off was a big reason why I decided on pursuing a career in teaching. Obviously, I actually wanted to teach kids science, but I also knew that I wanted to travel. So I chose a career that I could make that possibility. It's my first summer off. I had lots of big dreams, but they kind of fell through. My friends weren't ready. We had just started, you know, full-time jobs. You know, we, we had one year of teaching under our belt, recovering from grad school. So we settled on a couple small trips and that was all. We planned for the following summer, summer of 2020, my two best friends and I were planning a big trip to Vietnam, and then you know what happened in 2020. The whole world shut down. Uh, honestly, I was kind of freaking out that I had these like bucket lists of things I wanted to do and see before I turned 30. I felt like I was losing the last few years of my 20s. So when things began to stabilize in 2021, which is the year I turned 30, the end, <laughs> at the end, not 30, the end. <laughs> Um, I knew I couldn't wait any longer at this point, but my friends were not itching to get out as much as I was. It was still very much a weird world, not quite out of the pandemic yet. Travel was confusing. Um, <clears throat> some would have wanted to go with me, but they were worried about getting stuck, having to like quarantine somewhere, missing work. Like, you know, if, if you got trapped somewhere and had to stay another couple of weeks, so I had the summer off. I didn't really have that same pressure. So I knew that I couldn't keep waiting for when everyone around me was available and I wanted to go. But I'd never traveled solo and I didn't think this was a good time to start <laughs> personally. I wasn't ready to navigate that in a world that was just reopening to tourism. Um, like there were so many rules to follow. Things were changing so quickly so many places had closed down so like I didn't know if you know if you're reading about a place you know that, that that if any of those things would still be open so I started looking at group trips so I looked at G Adventures, Kentucky, probably a few others but ultimately I was drawn to the Land of Belize tour with Intrepid Travel. I would like that Intrepid is a B Corporation um, honestly super similar 
to G Adventures in a lot of ways, but Intrepid's a B Corp. They do a lot of good, and I am a big environmentalist, and I want to, you know, make sure I'm leaving the most positive impact I can on the world. I know that uh, on the on the environment, I know that traveling has a really big carbon footprint. So I really liked um, a lot of the little things that Intrepid focused on to have like a light impact and to impact communities positively. And I also really liked their land of Belize tour. Belize was open to tourism and it was only, as I had mentioned earlier, it was a level one on the warning rating on the government sites. So that was one of the few countries that were listed at level one. Like the U.S. wasn't even listed. I think the, like the U.S. numbers were like way worse. So uh, I wasn't too far from home. The trip had some time in the jungle, like uh, seeing ruins, and it had some time on the beach, visiting reefs. So I was like, this is it. This is perfect. I kind of like went back and forth. I like decided I'm going to do it. But then I was like, oh my gosh, what week do I sign up for? I had this like kind of wacky like anxiety that I was going to sign up for a trip and nobody else was going to sign up for it. Or it would be like me and one person. Um, and actually, the week that I had been eyeing, it like it like got switched it like got like labeled as like a like to be determined basically like not enough people signed up and they didn't know if they were going to do it and I was like oh my gosh that would have been me with like three other people so I ended up signing up for a different week than I was originally looking at because it said like only three spots left or something like that um so I knew it would be a fuller group their group sizes are capped at 12 I believe so it's not like oh, only three left it's going to be a giant group of people but I knew it'd be like a full tour and I would have the you know greatest chance of meeting someone who might be similar to me I generally get along with most people but I don't know I was just nervous like doing this on my own for the first time was I going to really click with anyone so I signed up I booked my flights I bought travel insurance and July comes around and I flew to a new country on my own for the first time definitely less intimidating than I thought it was going to be, right? If you've traveled before, it's really no different. You're just doing it by yourself. Um, I had a whole row to myself this flight because not a lot of people were flying. So that was pretty cool. And then I remember as we're landing, there was another girl on the flight in the row next to me. And I kept being like, oh, I wonder if she's on the trip too. I finally like struck up a conversation with her and she was doing something else, which was super cool. It was like, I should have written it down because it was something relating to a master's program and teaching ecology of some sort. Super cool. But I digress. So we landed. We stood in line for customs in the rain, kind of like a, the line was going outside. Kind of took a while, but sometimes that's the case. And I got a taxi to the hotel where we were all going to meet at six o'clock. So in Belize, in a lot of countries, you know, you're supposed to like research which taxis you're supposed to take and which ones you're not. Right. Because sometimes there's like taxi mafias and other times there's um, like not real taxis that are going to scam you. But it was like the green taxis or something. Um, so got a taxi. Got to the hotel. I knew it was a little early to check in, but Belize City is mm, has a lot of safety warnings. So Belize City itself is not really a place to go hang out and explore, but there is like a a port there to get you to the Keys, um, and there is 
a, a couple of things to do in the area. There's a zoo, so it's not it's not like a place you shouldn't go, but it's it's not the place you're gonna go if you're going to Belize. So I just went straight to the hotel, and as I was checking into my room, checked in. Hey, my name's Andrea. Whatever, whatever. Checking into this. I'm here with Intrepid. Check. I know I'm kind of early to check in. Thought I thought I'd see if the room was ready, and like a, a girl behind me afterwards goes, "I'm also Andrea with Intrepid," and. The lady at the counter is like, oh, you two are actually rooming together. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. So we were the first two, I think, that got there. And we ended up sitting down to have lunch together at the restaurant right there in our hotel. The hotel was cute. Let me look up what it was because I don't remember. Okay, hotel was called the Best Western Plus Belize Biltmore Plaza. It was super cute. It had a nice restaurant. It had a pool. The rooms were nice. It was a nice place to start. Um, it's also where I ended my trip too. So we got lunch and then we had a few hours before our welcome meeting at six o'clock. So we went to um, just, it wasn't, it wasn't very far. We took the airport, not airport, the hotel like shuttle bus. Um, like they had a taxi van and we wanted to go down to see the lighthouse. We also saw that there was a like tourist village um and like a the belize sign you know one of those big colorful like signs that's like the different letter like the letters that spell out wherever you're located um so we're like sure we'll go down to see that they kind of looked at us like they're crazy um we asked if it was safe we're like yeah that's fine that's safe so we're like okay yeah will take us down there so the tourist village turns out is like part of the port so it's only open when the the port is open, which I imagine is busiest when cruise ships are coming in. But later, when we took ferries to the Keys, we went through that port. Um, it just must have been too late in the day that there were no ferries coming back at that time. So that wasn't open. We went to the little lighthouse. Um, there's a ice cream-ish place across from it. It was called Creme de la Creme. Um, and I got a mango nada, so that was delicious. And then after wandering a little bit, we headed back to our hotel at six o'clock. We had our welcome meeting. So here we got to meet everybody from, everybody who's gonna be on our tour. And our tour leader, his name was Fidelio. He had led, he's from Belize. He had led the tour you know, in Belize a bunch before. He also did some of the other tours that included this itinerary. So Intrepid has some of, some longer tours that go, uh, into Guatemala. I think one might go Mexico, Belize, Guatemala. And then there's a really long one that goes all the way down into South America. Um, so he was very knowledgeable. And yeah, we like, we, we had to give him some, we had to give him our travel, like proof of travel insurance, I think. And then he just gave us an overview of what to expect, like what we were going to be doing. And every day we would have a meeting that would go over our itinerary for the next day. So we went over our itinerary for the next day because we were going to be leaving Belize City in the morning. Actually, he had let us know that there was a change to the itinerary. Um, and 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 we liked this change so much, actually, that they kept it. I, I noticed when I pulled up Land of Belize now, they added this to the regular itinerary. We were supposed to just go straight to the Crooked Tree um, Wildlife Refuge. Yeah, there's a lagoon there and you're supposed to do like a whole boat ride and look for birds but the water level in the lagoon was so low that we couldn't do that so they added another stop for us they added the ruins the mayan ruins at lamanai which we'll talk about in more detail in just a moment so we heard all of that and then we were free to go do what we want 
there was nothing really close by this was like kind of on like a highway um not a highway but like a like a like a main road it was all like plazas and big cement buildings it wasn't like any anything really walkable so we just headed across the street to the a Lebanese restaurant um those of us that wanted to get dinner together some people had just gotten and they hadn't eaten at the hotel restaurant yet so they were staying there the rest of us a big chunk of us went and got Lebanese food and just got to get to know each other and yeah wrapped up our first night oh some of us went swimming yeah some of us went in the pool at night um which I was, I'm always excited to go for a swim, especially a night swim. So with that, we went to bed, woke up, had breakfast at the hotel, got on our tour bus, and headed to Lamanai. It's maybe an hour drive from Belize City up to, um, not exactly Lamanai, but the town where you would get on a boat to continue your way to Lamanai. So Lamanai is a Mayan ruin site. It means submerged crocodile, I believe, and it is only accessible by river. And I really wish that I remembered all of the historical specific significance and history that I could tell you guys right now, but I don't. But the fact that you had to take a boat to get there just made it seem so much more authentic than touristy you know um the only other Mayan sites I had been to at this point in my life had been Chichen Itza and Tulum which are really popular tourist sites and this one not only is down a river so it's harder to get to but this was when tourism was just picking up again so we were the only group there one other group had just was just leaving when we arrived so on the way there, you're going to see lots of birds and wildlife on this river, and then it's going to open up to a lagoon, and then you're going to park the boat. Your tour guide will park the boat. I think that the person that drives the boat is usually your tour guide in um, the, the park at the ruins as well, and they're going to walk you through and tell you all about what you're seeing. I remember the Jaguar Temple being the name of the big temple here, which seems to kind of be a common theme because it's the same in Tikal. Um, compared to Chichen and Tulum, I was shocked to learn that you could climb up the ruins here. You can you could climb right up them, at least you could in 2021. So that was super cool just to, I don't know, be able to just get up on top of them and look out over the jungle, um, you know, actually be up close and touch them was super cool obviously if things get too popular you need to stop people from doing that so that they don't get damaged um i believe there was i believe this location had a really tall one that you were no longer able to climb up because a tourist had fallen off taking a selfie which is really unfortunate for her and then unfortunate for everybody who follows um yeah, this was just absolutely beautiful. I'll post some pictures on the Instagram. I also had made some GoPro videos. I don't know if Instagram's the best place to put those. Maybe I try and figure out YouTube. Maybe. So we got through, we just got through our tour as it started to rain. Pro tip, bring a rain jacket. 
I mentioned earlier that summer and fall are the wet season and we certainly got wet a few times so definitely bring a rain jacket but it was not too much that it impeded on our plans for the day we were still fine working around the rain so it started to downpour as we finished our tour we go off into the like um the picnic shelters ate lunch that our tour guide had packed for us like him and his wife like made a big lunch to provide everybody and like packed it up to serve to us after our tour which was awesome and it was still hot and we ate this delicious lunch and then the rain let up so they said if you want to if you want to go back and take a look around before we leave you're able to go back and wander so most of my group actually stayed back it was drizzling a little bit as we left me and I think it might have just been me Andrea and Ryan so literally three people in this park and we went back to I believe the Jaguar temple and we climbed up to the top it's a little slippery because it had just rained clouds were you know just lifting the light was kind of eerie because of the the rain clouds and the we're at the top of this temple the rainforest is just bright green from just getting saturated and glistening in the rainwater it was beautiful and we heard howler monkeys coming from the jungle which was terrifying (laughs) for a moment we did not know what howler monkeys sounded like at that point we're like oh i hope that's not the jaguar uh but we knew it wasn't i know that you will be killed by a jaguar long before you hear or see it so we figured it was some sort of monkeys but it was just a really really cool moment one of those moments that sticks with you just i didn't expect to be standing at the top of a mayan pyramid with just two new friends that i had made as a rainstorm passed by it was really awesome so then we headed back on the boat and oh my gosh did we get wet this is the wettest week maybe the wettest we got we had two (laughs) really wet rainstorm incidents um again bring your rain jacket i was wearing my rain jacket most other people didn't put that on there's on or maybe just didn't bring one but we're like flying through the rain on the water on this boat and we were very very wet so we get on the bus we get to the crooked tree wildlife sanctuary um get into dry clothes and the wildlife sanctuary is kind of all that's there um we weren't again we weren't able to go out on the water because the water level was too low so there was a really small town we decided to walk into I'm realizing now that both of our rainstorm incidents were the same day. It must have just been a very rainy day. So we get dried off. We're, I'm wearing like Birkenstocks. We wander into town and and as we walked into town, we're like, oh, it looks like it might rain. Maybe we should turn around. But we were too late and we get poured on on the way back. There was really nothing in the town, at least not at this time. Very, very small, um, just like rural town. Um, we just wanted to go in and like see, take a look at it, see see what there was to see. We got super wet and finally went back and dried off one final time and decided we were not leaving the hotel again. So they served us dinner at the accommodation. Um, and again, we really just didn't spend a lot of time there. Um, the to her a lot for more time there than what we experienced but just because 
there had been a change of plans. We didn't have a lot of time there. It says now that there's a, on their current itinerary, that there's a, um, uh, excuse me, that there is a cooking demonstration and then you have lunch and then you would leave the wildlife sanctuary. It also says here that the Crooked Tree Village has some notable and historical sites. It was established around 1750 um, and thought to be the oldest non-indigenous settlement in Belize. So that is very interesting. We wandered into the town by ourselves and did not know what we were looking for, but had we had some direction, maybe we would have seen some cool sites. So at this point, we are on our third day, second full day, day three, heading to San Ignacio. And San Ignacio was a super cute town. Our tour guide lived in this area. Um, we were going to the Cajalpec ruins, so another Mayan ruin site. Um, again, pretty quiet. And I know that this was when tourism was just opening back up, so I can't really speak to the regular popularity of this site. But um, it was super cool to see these ruins. Um, again, we were able to climb up them, wander through them. This was cool because there there were more like um, like rooms that you could go into, not big rooms by any means, um, but the, I think the roof maybe had collapsed. Don't quote me on this, but I want to say maybe the roof had collapsed so we were able to actually like go through and walk through what would have been rooms. There was just no roof on them. Um, but again, super enjoyable. It was really neat. After this, I believe we had a choice of what to do, and we kind of split up at this point. Um, some people went on to go to more mine ruins at Shunantunich. Actually, you know what? We might have split up before this, and they went to Shunantunich. And we went to Kahalpak and then did a chocolate, um, a chocolate class, learning about making chocolate um, the traditional way. So I heard that Shunantunich starts with an X. Um, was super super cool. And uh, Andrea, who'd stayed in, we shared a room together here. She said that it was the coolest of all the Mayan sites. So I do feel a little bit of regret that I didn't go. So I would highly recommend looking that up. And if you're into the Mayan ruins, making time for that in your itinerary. Um, I did a chocolate class where you learn about um, how chocolate was made. They, you know, bring out like a big cocoa pod and they walk you through all the steps to make um, chocolate. So we didn't make a chocolate bar, but we made like a hot chocolate um, originally, this was something that Mayans would use ceremonially. Ceremonially, um, now of course we eat chocolate as a dessert. Our accommodations while we were at San Ignacio had a nice little pool and a bar that made delicious frozen drinks. Um, the beds were not great. This was the only one of the accommodations where. It was not super comfortable um, on the tours. There's like different levels of their tours for comfort and luxury. So this one was pretty low on, right? It was cheaper, um, more about traveling and exploring versus like having really soft amenities. Um, but most of the accommodation was perfectly fine. This one was just kind of like comically like, <laughs> I remember Andrea and I like, 
we had three beds in our room actually and two of us and we were like trying to figure out which two were the best and we like split up the extra pillows amongst each other because they were just not quality so that was funny but the rest of it the rest of it was all really good um they all had wi-fi this particular place didn't have wi-fi in like it didn't reach the rooms very well I'm actually curious. They don't list what their accommodation is, so I'm kind of curious if they continue to use this place because I think we all gave feedback that it wasn't great, um, but it was totally fine. So for our dinner that night, we walked into town, and I don't remember where we ate, but Fidelio, our tour guide, picked it out, and he did a great job of picking out all of our everything he was very knowledgeable so we had a delicious dinner and then we walked back home um he he I think he had walked home or ahead of us or maybe took a cab some of us walked home and we were perfectly safe doing so and then the next day we got to decide what we wanted to do so you can split up when that's the case right you don't have to agree with the entire group but you do some activities do have a minimum requirement there was something i th- i think that a couple people wanted to do possibly cave tubing or something where it was only the two of them and that that wasn't enough but what a group of us did was go to the atm caves atm stands for Aktun tunich mukunal but they just refer to them as atm caves so these are obviously caves, but what's so special about them is that it is a location that was a ceremonial site for the Mayans, and you have to wade through the river that runs into this cave to get into it, so you're in and out of water the whole time. So they warned us that you do need to wear closed-toed sneakers and they are going to get wet. Um, so you go in these caves, you go through... Like you cross a river, it's like chest length at like the first thing. So you're going to get wet right off the bat. So like we had bathing suits on with just some sort of cover-ups. I had on like a stretchy, like old H&M skirt and maybe a tank top, maybe just my bathing suit. Um, Oh no, I had like a long sleeve swim shirt. It was definitely chilly. I had considered wearing my wetsuit. My wetsuit but I decided against it at one point I kind of wished I'd had it so I would definitely wear like long sleeves if you are someone who gets cold when you're wet and in the dark um so we wade through we then hike down the river for a bit and then you get to the entrance of the cave and you have to navigate in through this cave and what you find once you get up in the cave is ceramic um like old broken pots and like uh not necessarily uh certain rock formations along the walls of the cave that were modified by the Mayans and then skeletons that are up in the cave that were people who were sacrificed in these ceremonies. So super, super unique experience. You get to the mouth of the cave and you're wading in through the river and your guide is going to explain to you how to navigate into this cave so you've got a helmet on um a life jacket and a light on your helmet i believe and we had one woman in our group who was 
mm, retired age not sure exactly of her age but she was retired she was a retired teacher so she wasn't looking for the most adventurous way to navigate the cave so our guide Juan Carlos he was amazing um the the tour company that Intrepid worked with at least back then was Maya Walk Tours I would highly recommend working with them um going with them even if you're not like going on a group tour if you're going with yourself and you need to join a tour if you need to book a tour to go to the ATM caves Maya Walk was fantastic so he's like I'm gonna take this one lady Michelle I'm gonna take her through this other way that's a little easier you group I want you guys to like climb up that rock and like go straight back and then drop down and meet me on the other side and we're just romping through this cave it was so cool it was something that would definitely not be allowed in the United States for so many like safety like uh like I don't know OSHA type um hazards uh it was I don't know I can't even explain it It was so cool so there's parts where like there's one part where he's like okay climb up here and then like jump down into this like little waterfall and like it I was joking that it was like a toilet like flushing us down a toilet and then there was another part that was just like a super narrow like slot canyony feel where we had to like get through and swim through if you're claustrophobic this is probably not for you but most of it wasn't super narrow and um like Juan Carlo had said he had I don't remember did he say like an 80 year old woman someone he said he's never had somebody come on the tour that he was not able to get through that cave he these guides know the cave so well that they're able to like meet your abilities to abilities to navigate through and then at some point you're like okay you're like at the point of the cave where you're going to start climbing up so you climb up this rock like literally like just like bouldering up this rock and then climb up this ladder and you're in the oh, I forget what it's called now mm, cathedral maybe yeah I looked it up they refer to the big dry room up in the cave as the cathedral so it's it's so crazy you're in a river in this kind of I mean narrowish cave and maybe not necessarily that the cave is narrow but either way you you climb up here and it opens up to this gigantic literally feels like a cathedral like you know geologic stalactite stalagmite formations it's just huge our guide had us all just like stand still and turn off our lights for a second and just like feel like just otherworldly darkness and um you have to take off your shoes so you need to be wearing socks you have to take off your shoes so that it's harder for you I guess or less damaging if you were to step on an artifact and there are no cameras allowed because someone dropped a camera on one of the skulls once and broke it so no cameras allowed so you continue your hike in up into the cave because what you're what you're oh I'm not going to tell you what's at the end yet as you're hiking through the cathedral suddenly you need to be paying attention to the ground because there are artifacts like you would picture if there are ancient Mayan artifacts that they would be behind a glass wall behind a fence somehow protected right in in the United States they would never just have something of this sort of historic value literally on the other side of a piece of like surveyor ribbon that's that's what was staked along the ground 
to show you where to walk. So you need to really pay attention to where you're walking. Again, this wasn't almost this was almost two years ago, so it's possible that they've updated their infrastructure to keep things safe. Um, but I know that even back then, it was a really really popular destination. Um, this is kind of side tangent, but um, since we were there again when tourism was just opening, it was just a couple small groups going through. Whereas I guess normally it's pretty busy and there are some pretty big groups going through and I think they said normally it's a half day tour um, because they, they need to make it a half day to accommodate all of the groups that need to go right so that half of them go in the morning and half go in the afternoon but when we were there we were able to go and spend like a lot of time um, we, we didn't get there quite as early we spent a lot of time in the cave we came out and ate lunch after so I can't speak exactly to what the experience is these days as far as group size but when we were there there was just like three of our like maybe 10 person groups anyway so now you're walking through this giant cathedral in like the back of a cave you're like two miles into a cave at this point and you're trying not to step on ceramic artifacts and skulls and bones of human beings that had been sacrificed by the mayans and it's just so surreal to be in this place where that was going on a few hundred years ago um and then you continue navigating through this cave to get to the back of the cave which is the biggest sight to see it is the resting place of the crystal maiden they refer to it as it is a skeleton that has been crystallized due to calcium deposits because of the conditions in the cave so originally like referred to as a crystal maiden but actually it's believed to be a 17 year old boy who was sacrificed in the cave and it's the only like fully intact skeleton that they've come across i believe um and again you get up here and it's just like a like a rope barrier that says do not cross which it just blew my mind. Someone could very easily crawl underneath. Um, our guides told us that there's a rock in the back around the corner that is believed to possibly be the murder weapon for this sacrifice. Um, I learned a lot about Mayan rituals. Not not just so much rituals, but I, I think that I, I had like a big aha moment during this tour when they were teaching us about the life of the Mayans because... We always hear about how the Mayans were astronomers and they understood, they could read the night sky and they understood um, like the constellations and, and seasons. But I kind of forget that that's only the upper class people, right? So our guides were explaining how the lower class people, like the farmers who came to the kings and wanted to like ask to like make an offering to make it rain or it would come to the kings and say when should I plant when is the when are the rains going to come when should I plant sow my seeds and he would bring him into the cave and basically he knew when the season was going to change so he already knew the answer but the, the kings would pretend to go ask the gods and therefore people thought that the kings were gods because they were able to speak to the gods and like provide these answers. I don't know. I don't know if everybody else already like had this understanding of how this was working, but it was just really shocking to me. Um, again, this is at least from the account of our guides here. So like they would take or they would take kings from other 
um, uh, other settlements. Kings from other areas would come, you know, talk to this king and be like, oh, I want this to happen. And the the ATM king cave would, I'm so making this sound not intelligent. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the ATM king cave would be like, all right, we are going to have some drinks and we're going to go into the cave. So basically, they would get the visiting king drunk. Drunk enough that they could rectally administer psychedelic drugs to their visitor and then bring them into the cave. The kings had carved um, outcrops of the cave to make them look more like certain beings or like angry demons and would like shine torches up on them and be like, oh, like, you know, I tell them to ask a question and then be like, oh, no, the gods are angry. That's not something we can do. Or I don't know. Otherwise, just they manipulated the visitor's entire experience and forced them to do psychedelics so that when they left the cave, they'd be like, oh, my gosh, this person is absolutely a god. And I believe everything they said, basically, long story short. Um, I don't know. That just totally blew my mind. And then we got to just like romp through this cave, like almost three miles into the darkness and see all these human remains that were left from ceremonial sacrifices. I truly thought this was one of the coolest things I had done. Like our guide had warned us that it's kind of physically taxing. You're going to be pretty tired at the end of the day. You're going to be wet for a couple of hours. And we were kind of like, mm, is that something we want to do? Can we, can we manage that? Absolutely. If you are in any sort of shape that you can go on a hike for a couple hours, I highly, highly, highly suggest visiting the ATM caves. So, other than that, what else did we do in San Ignacio? We went to the market. Oh, I forgot to mention, they also made us lunch and provided us rum punch after this. There was a lot of rum punch. Rum punch, very enjoyable. Good, good addition to any tour. So, now we're back in San Ignacio. That night wrapped up our last dinner in San Ignacio, and then we headed to... Um, Belize City in the morning by our our bus, our little private bus van. And in Belize City, we were catching a ferry over to Key Cocker. So the keys, they spell them here C-A-Y-E, like K, but they're pronounced keys. Um, and Key Cocker is one of the more popular ones. Um, Ambergris Key is a big one where the town of San Pedro is, and then I would say Key Cocker is the second most popular one. It's pretty small. You don't, you, you just walk there. You don't drive around. There are a couple, I saw like garbage trucks, like pickup trucks for picking up garbage, and there are golf carts that I believe maybe you could rent, but it's definitely just walkable. Um, we arrived on our fifth day, and we stayed three nights, four five, six, seven, three nights. Um, so we had two, like a half day and then two full days and then we left on day eight. So it was a beautiful ferry ride out to the Keys. Um, we went through that um, tourist village, I think I called it. We went through the tourist village that I talked about that how it wasn't open unless like uh, the ferry port was open. Um, so we went through there and got off a ferry 
uh, right at the center of the key, got lunch, had some time to just chill out. Um, there's not really a beach on Key Cocker. There is a swimming area at the, I want to say south, I believe it's a south end of the island. Um, the island kind of is kind of separated into north and south. The north end is all like, I was, I was told it's all like places to stay, people like places that you could rent to stay. So I didn't actually wander up there. Um, so yeah, we just, we just chilled out that day, got food, grabbed drinks. Um, when we were there again, things were just opening back up and there were still some restrictions on, there was a curfew. So places had to close and you, I think places had to close by 10 and you needed to be, you needed to be off the street and in your, you need to be in your home by 1030, I believe, unless it was like 10 and 1015. It was not, it was not very late. So for that reason, there was absolutely no nightlife going on. Um, there were a couple of times that we'd like walk up to a, a bar and be like, Hey, can we order a drink? Be like, no, we're closing soon. Like, oh, okay. One, one bar we finally went up to, like, can we order a drink? They're like, yeah, sure. And we, we get our drinks, we sit down and within five minutes, they're like, you got to go. <laughs> we're closing. <laughs> it was bizarre. So I can't speak to the nightlife. I assumed it, I assumed there would be some, but I actually did just read somewhere recently that it's pretty quiet anyway so maybe um I read recently that most places do close at 10 so I don't know if that was always the case or if that's just something that has like stayed in place but maybe look into that if you're looking for nightlife because I'm not sure if you'll find it there you might just find sunshine in relaxation so on day six we went to um I think it was day six and not day seven. Ooh, okay so on day six, our first full day on Key Cocker, we had the option of adding on a catamaran snorkel tour. So I'm pretty sure everyone on the boat did it, but it's one of those things that's like an extra cost. And if you were not with a group, I, I don't know if you could still book this company if you're just on your own. Like, I don't know if they do just like open to whoever wants to join tours or if you're supposed to be a big group going out there, but they were wanderlust tours wanderlust catamaran they were amazing so we went out on this catamaran out to the barrier reef and we snorkeled and they brought us to a couple different locations and they well really fidelio i think i think it was fidelio maybe some of the crew grilled us lobster on the back someone one of them had their own lobster traps it was lobster season in july and so they had, we had fresh caught lobster grilled off the back of the boat which I I don't necessarily care to eat lobster and I actually would never order it at home in western New York but it was amazing it was so good um but I guess I'm jumping to lunch before lunch we just got to chill out on a catamaran so we snorkeled on some reefs we saw a loggerhead sea turtle which I was really really excited about I had never seen a loggerhead before um lots of colorful fish uh we went to I believe we were in shark ray alley is a is a spot out there that's well known and there are tons of nurse sharks so nurse sharks are not dangerous they kind of look like big giant like catfishy things um so tons of nurse sharks like they they clearly are getting fed by some boat because you like stop your boat and they all like come up to the back and check it out 
but that was super cool so we got to jump in and swim with the nurse sharks and then we went to I think we did three stops and our last stop we finally got to see a manatee we were kind of looking for them all day so that was so exciting loggerhead sea turtle nurse sharks manatees all sorts of other beautiful fish um what I really liked about wanderlust was that they were concerned with the health of the coral so you definitely should check reviews when you are looking for who to go out on the reef with because you want someone that is going to be using sustainable practices and making sure they're educating their group about how to act around the coral and if someone forgets to educate you i'll real quick right now just remind you that you do not want to use conventional sunscreen you should um you can wear reef safe sunscreen or you could just wear like a shirt i'll wear just like a long sleeve uv shirt and you need to be really careful about kicking up sand because if you kick up sand on the coral then they have to basically like shake it off so they need to like puff themselves up and get that sand off and that is not easy for them to continue to do day after day after day right they could do it after a storm when sand is kicked up on them but they shouldn't have to be continually using energy to get the sand off of them and if they can't get the sand off of them they're going to be smothered because the algae within the coral are photosynthetic and we don't want that. We want to preserve the health of the coral. So please keep that in mind when you're visiting the reef. So after snorkeling, we get back on the boat. This is, I think, when we ate lunch. And they brought out the rum punch. And, oh, and ceviche. So then we just kind of cruised for a bit. They did not let us drink until we were done swimming, which is perfectly fine and safe. But then the rum punch was flowing, the music was playing, and it was just a wonderful day. We watched, I think we watched Sunset, and it was fantastic. I am a boat girl. I love a day on a boat. The next day, we had free time. And in your free time, you can, let's see, they have listed that you can um, hire a paddleboard. You can go on a sunset sail. You could rent a bicycle. What some people in our group did, one chunk of them went and did like deep sea fishing, um, which was actually cool. They, I did not go on that, but what was cool about it was they caught some fish and lobster and then they brought that to the restaurant that we were going to eat dinner at and they cooked it up for us. So that was super cool. Um, so there are restaurants that will do that. If you go fishing, you can bring or catch them and ask them to cook it for you. Um, it's a costs obviously they'll charge you but less than if you were buying your food there right so that was super cool and andrea and someone else in the group went to um they did a helicopter tour over the blue hole if you haven't heard of the belize blue hole it's like a big like sinkhole in the ocean please look up a picture that is super super cool i would have liked to have done that but i wanted to go scuba diving so I chose that instead. Um, in order to fly over the blue hole, you had to go to Ambergris Key, Key and take like the tour from there. So even if you didn't want to go fly over the blue hole in a helicopter, which I heard was kind of nauseating, so definitely take your Dramamine, um, you could still also use this day to like head over to Ambergris and go just check out that island as something to do. I went scuba diving. I went with black surgeon dives I believe was the name I'm checking um I had heard of a couple I was familiar I like looked up and saw good reviews of a couple 
maybe more popular dive operations, but Fidelio suggested that I pick one that was Belize owned and operated, which was obviously a fantastic idea. So I went with Black Durgeon Dives. I just checked in with them the day before. Maybe it was the first day we got there. I think it was the first day we got there, I think, and asked them if I could go diving on this day. They said, yeah, they were just going to see how many other people were going. And um, then we would figure out where to go, basically. So I went and checked in with them, Then I think, the night before. And there was a group of four friends that were also going to go diving the next day. Um, I think that they had been certified some of them might have died before others were like certified in like fresh water at home and this might have been their first ocean dives I'm not sure maybe yeah I think maybe um anyway so they teamed me up with these people and I came back to pay (laughs) oh here's a tip so I always make sure I notify my bank and my credit cards that I am traveling however my bank didn't like one of my transactions for some reason um I remember going to an ATM earlier in the trip and me and the other person tried to take out money and it didn't it didn't let us we thought the ATM was just broken turns out I think our credit our debit cards maybe were being flagged my debit card my bank had like a setting that it called me if there was an issue and I can't get a call in another country I have my service turned off right I'm doing wi-fi only so I didn't know so I f- I'm trying to go to the bank and it's not working and Andrea had gotten out money for me a time or two and I just Venmoed her which was super helpful and I appreciated it so much but then at this point I was like oh shoot I think I didn't take out enough money because I didn't realize that the price that the scuba shop had given me was in US dollars I was thinking it was in Belizean dollars so it ended up costing twice what I thought it was going to cost and I'm like running back and forth like the bank. I even went into the bank and they're like, no, your card's like locked. You can't get in. So I finally got a hold of my bank over like the messaging app. And now I make sure to tell them not to call me, but to email me if there's an issue. Um, so that was a little bit of a fun whirlwind. Also, that day, that the night before that, we had left the AC on in our room, which we were told not to do. We did it anyway. We shouldn't have because it worked really, really hard and then dripped a ton of water all over the floor and all my stuff in my bag was wet. Luckily, my clothes were like in the dresser and hung up, but my like passport and my copy of my passport and all that was soaking wet. So I woke up this morning and had a soaking wet, like bendy passport, a debit card that didn't work. I owed like $100 to a scuba shop if I wanted to go scuba diving that day. But it all worked out passport dried perfectly fine so that's good news apparently they're kind of waterproof which I'm not surprised because they should be but it didn't seem like it at the time when it was all soggy um so finally got everything squared away got the money go to the dive shop good news is dive operators are often like super lax I've encountered this a bunch of times that they're just super super chill so I like show up with the money I'm like there's only half the money I gotta go try and get the rest of it he's like yeah no problem no one's here yet just be back in like a half hour So that was appreciated how flexible they were with my predicament. And we got going. We we all showed up. We decided where to go. Um the the one group of friends had really wanted to do um 
lionfish spear hunting. And I was like, Meh. at first I was like, no, I want to see sharks. You can't spear fish though. If a place you're going to see sharks. But then I realized that that would actually be pretty cool. And I'd be down to eat some ceviche on the boat. So that group of friends, plus another girl from, I think she was from U.S. Virgin Islands. And yes, was a much more experienced diver than I. She was my dive buddy. And we headed out to the reef. We went through a bunch of mangroves and on this like beautiful boat ride out to the reef. And we got to scuba dive on the Mesoamerican Barrier Reef. I was super excited about it. I thought the visibility was pretty bad the first dive. And then I realized that I think I have a serious mask fogging problem. So I finally invested in actual defog. Some people just are totally fine with baby shampoo in your mask. And I don't know. I have a say. I don't breathe through my nose. I don't know what my problem is, but it was so foggy. I was clearing my mask every like a couple minutes. Um, so it was pretty good diving. I got to say, um, I have some videos that I can put on Instagram, even though they're GoPro. So they're not really optimized for Instagram, but that was really cool. So the other, I had a, I had my GoPro in my hand, so I did not do any operating of the spear gun it's not really a gun it's just like a a spear on like a rubber band basically um but i watched and filmed other people spearing lionfish so that was cool we caught a few um i want to clarify lionfish are invasive in the caribbean that's why it's okay to kill them while you're scuba diving generally speaking it is not okay to kill take collect modify anything when you're scuba diving you want to only view and take pictures you do not want to touch change take move anything underwater when you're scuba diving so you can't like you can't do this with lobster or with any other fish you can only do this with lionfish because they are invasive in the caribbean you can't kill them in the pacific where they belong but in the caribbean they're invasive and their population is booming and they're gonna really disrupt food chains and start to take over and that's bad and one way that we can help stop that or at least slow it is by killing them when we see them when we are diving and they're tasty so you can use them to make ceviche so on our was it wasn't a dive interval uh was it a dive interval i don't remember if it was between dives or after the dives they made a ceviche on the boat we like went over and anchored in a nice shallow spot on the reef and actually jumped in at some point to go see a manatee and it was just so beautiful it was just such a beautiful place to chill out and relax and they made ceviche and it was so delicious it was such a wonderful day it was so nice to meet some people with a similar interest we ended up meeting up with them later um oh yeah there's a place on Keycocker. i'm gonna look up the name it's called iguana reef which is um an accommodation you could stay in but at iguana reef they have a little bar they have what is the closest thing to a beach that i think you might find there called stingray beach and the there's a bunch of stingrays there there's a bunch of rays so um they definitely feed them in the evenings so around sunset i think you can watch them feed them so we went there that evening me some of the people from my group the people that i met scuba diving we met there and we hung out and we got to chat and this was our last night together so this i think we did that for sun 
set. And then we went to dinner. Another word of please don't be a jerk. There are people like grabbing at the stingrays. One was like laid down underneath it. Um, again, it's called Stingray Beach. I can't specifically say that these rays can actually sting. I don't I don't actually know if they all have that capability. I should probably know as a biologist. But they were just being stupid, and these are wild animals. So please don't be stupid around wild animals. Please, 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 please. But anyway, we then went to dinner. This was where the other, you know, half of our group had gone fishing and brought their catch for the day. So they had that cooked and shared that with everybody some of us we also ordered some appetizers and just had a really nice family dinner and truly at the end of this trip we felt like a little family which might sound goofy or like cliche of me but truly we had just spent a week together going through these experiences together experiencing new things some of some of them some of the people in the group it was their first trip out of the country for some of us for me it was my first trip going somewhere where I didn't know anybody and I was banking on the fact that I was going to make friends and find people that I clicked with Um, my roommate Andrea had gone on a handful of intrepid trips before so she was a seasoned solo traveler like outside of intrepid intrepid trips as well Um, for me it was a first and it felt like a really big deal It, it was a really big deal to me I I it was a step out of my comfort zone and I love that. But I think I had forgotten for a while how much I crave that and how rewarding that is for me, right? It was the end of this pandemic where I had been basically locked in a house with my significant other. So grateful that we were together. Um, but I could depend on somebody for anything that I needed. I hadn't done anything independently in a while, and I certainly hadn't immerse myself in a new culture or gone to a literal foreign place in a very long time and it was just a really soul awakening experience it was a very it was a fantastic experience that I feel like reignited something in my soul that I I didn't realize had been sleeping and It was just so cool. The last night, we were in our beds in our room, and Andrea and I were just like laughing hysterically at pictures of fire hydrants in, maybe it wasn't the last night. Maybe it was. I think it was. Pictures of fire hydrants on Instagram. Who knew? There were so many. Um, It was just really, really nice to find people to just click with and enjoy and experience with. And with that... We left Key Cocker. So on these trips, you don't have to go back like with them or anything. Like at the end of the trip, you you kind of can find your way off on your own, right? So it's not like they're like, okay, and now you have to get on the bus and get dropped off the airport at 10 o'clock in the morning, right? So I knew that I did not want to leave Belize the same day I left the island because that is a little like anxiety inducing for me to know I have to get up get a ferry get off the island get back to the mainland get to the airport catch my flight and get home right that's a lot of steps for one day for me so I had booked one last night in the same hotel we started in 
it was familiar to me. I'd already been there once. I it was nice. It had a pool. It had a restaurant. So again, Belize City isn't really a safe destination necessarily. So I didn't I didn't want to like find my own hotel and have to figure that out. So booked the same hotel. Took a ferry back. So like my roommate Andrea was spending another day on the island I think I think she was going to the next island and she was going to spend maybe a day or two on ambergris so like you have options um some people were going back to Belize City to like go to the zoo and stuff so other people could you know you could have stayed you could have stayed another week you could have stayed and gone to another country but um so you get to pick and kind of organize your like they they have the ferry ticket was like round trip so like that was already booked um but then like after that I had to figure it out on her own so I spent one night in that hotel got dinner and I kind of realized that that was maybe the first time I had gone out to dinner and sat down and eaten a meal by myself which is like a big step if you're gonna travel on your own and that's something that you'll you'll hear people like suggest that you like try that out in your own city if you're like not sure if you'll be comfortable being on your own but it was like it was it was fine as someone I'd never done it before but I, it really didn't bother me I hung out by the pool by myself I think I got a beer um and then headed to my room made sure to lock all the doors and woke up the next morning went to the airport so I had the hotel book my airport transfer for me um I told them ahead of time right and then in the morning it was ready and I could just go I think that's my story so if you're somebody who maybe has time to travel that no one else in your circle shares or a desire to travel that no one else in your circle shares or your available dates don't line up with other people I can speak from experience that if you wait on other people you might not go and like it it might never happen and if you really want to go you have to make that happen and it was amazing to go on this trip and make all these friends and be able to do it even though no one else in my life at home could join me and I absolutely want to do it again I've looked at a bunch of other trips I almost signed up for one last summer but I didn't because it ended just a couple days before my best friend's wedding. And I figured, you know what, if I get sick and get stuck in Mexico and I can't make my best friend's wedding, that would really, really be a bummer. Let me just stay in the country till after that. Um, but I've looked at some. I really, really, really enjoyed having a guide. Fidelio, you were amazing. And it just brought an entirely different experience to be able to go through a country with someone who knew where we were, knew everybody we encountered, knew everything about the history and the culture and the best things to do. It really, really elevated the experience. And I am the kind of person to want to do things on a budget. So I will not make all of my trips these guided tours because they are a little more pricey, but I think that what you get out of it is worth it. And I never knew how much I would really enjoy that sort of travel style and I absolutely want to do it again I think there are certain destinations maybe destinations where I don't feel quite as comfortable tackling on my own that I definitely want to do it again or 
if I need to go by myself and don't feel like being completely by myself or don't feel like having the task of planning it all on my own and figuring it all out on my own, the tour was awesome. So I would highly recommend if you are in a similar boat. Okay, and I like to finish out my episodes with thinking back on would you return or do you feel like you saw everything there needed to be seen? And my answer is that I would definitely return to Belize. I actually would really like to go to Placencia. Um, I hear there is a lot of good diving there and really nice beaches. So while like Keycocker didn't actually have a beach, Placencia, I believe, has lots of beach. So that is on my list for next time I visit Belize if I get back there. My guide, Fidelio, had spoken really highly of the ruins in Guatemala at Tikal when he was talking about the Mayan ruin sites. And you can take a day tour from Belize. It's a long day tour, but I believe there are bus tours that leave from Belize across the border that go over to Tikal and um, then come back. So that's an option if you wanted to add that on to your stay, but you weren't actually planning to spend any time in Guatemala you could access that from Belize. So I would love to go back and would love to hear if any of you guys have been or are planning to go, definitely reach out to me um, either here in the, in the question thing or on the Instagram. Thanks so much for listening today. We really hope you found this enjoyable. For photos and videos from this trip or to contact me if you'd like, you can check me out on Instagram at andyaboutandabroad. That's A-N-D-Y about and abroad. Feedback is welcome and we'd love for you to leave us a review if you have the time. Thanks again.